No. Yes. Man, it works every time. Hey guys, welcome into another episode of the Super Duper Flex Bros. Today is Tuesday, September 29th. Uh, joined with me is our co-host Tom. And then you can follow me on Twitter at Tight Ends Matter. Now, uh, before Tom, I, I'll let you um, join in here. I just want to get my final words out there for our 22-man uh, guillotine league. I, I can't believe I only made it through two weeks, got eliminated here week three. Um, I had Daniel Jones and Ryan Tannehill combined for zero touchdowns. Um, so that was kind of the dagger. Uh, so my final words are make sure in the future you draft those safe quarterbacks. I thought I was pretty safe with those guys. Um, taking Daniel Jones at the 120 and Tannehill at the 203. Um, but we didn't really know what the Giants were going to be. There was pretty low expectations. And then as far as Tannehill with uh, the Titans, we knew that that offensive efficiency, uh, those touchdowns he was throwing, we knew that that would come down. Um, so after my picks, the 120 and the 203, we saw Brady at 204 and Gothko at 206. Um, so a little disappointed in myself. I've been a big offseason Goff believer. Um, so wish I had taken him. So uh, w- with that, how are you doing, Tom? You, you survived another week. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm doing great. This is a very uh, uh, competitive 22-man guillotine superflex league. So uh, it, there, I, no, no surprise. I think it all just kind of came down to injuries. It's pretty incredible to to see how poor the the Giants are without having Saquon Barkley. It's clear that they uh, were planning on running the entire offense through him again. So seeing Daniel Jones out there without the uh, uh, one of the top running backs in uh, the NFL right now, he, he just looks completely lost. Um, and, and like you said, the Titans had to settle for field goals, so Tannehill didn't get it done for you. And then you also drafted Dallas Goddard in the sixth round, which was a great value in tight end premium. But with him getting injured and Mark Ingram getting stuffed last night against the Chiefs, there, there wasn't anybody uh, – um, making up for the, the lack of the Daniel Jones points. So um, I'm sad to see you um, have to leave the, the league in three weeks, but um, I, I know you were already preemptively talking about starting up a, a uh, another league here for everybody who, who loses. So um, the, uh, the, the other owners that last in week one and two, I'm sure they'll, they'll be ready to join you. And who knows, maybe after week four, I'll be ready to join you in, in the next league too. <laughs> yeah. Ho- hopefully not. But yeah, I think, We'll, we'll figure out the uh, strategy of how many teams we want. It, we'll call it like the, the last chance or the last dance uh, guillotine league. We might do might, might keep it small with eight teams, but I was thinking middle of the season, so maybe week eight or week nine, um, we'll get another eight to 12 guys put together, and then you can really get that guillotine league experience even if you were eliminated early because uh, then that encourages you to look at the, look at the bye weeks and um, maybe maybe you see an elite quarterback dropping to you, but then you realize it's because they have that week eight or that week nine bye. Um, so maybe you don't pull the trigger on them. Um, but yeah, so speaking of players letting us down, you were asking me yesterday uh, what was going on with DeAndre Swift this weekend. And it, I didn't think there was an injury or anything, but I did uh, do some digging and I, I think I found what the issue was. Well, I think I saw that he, he only had two receptions for, for nine yards. Um, with what's going on with uh, Mr. DeAndre Swift. Yeah, so I, I think um, a lot of us forgot about this. So I went back, and it actually it goes back to April, but he was drafted by the Detroit Lions. 
So uh, on, on that note, speaking of uh, bad jokes, uh, I ended the last show telling you that uh, joking that if uh, Fitzpatrick was to rush in a touchdown against the Jaguars, they'd probably be in trouble. And, and sure enough, we saw Fitzpatrick uh, get that one yard uh, rushing touchdown and, and the, the Jacksonville Jaguars definitely looked pretty rough. Um, so it's going to be a rough year for them. Uh, but all that aside, um, I'm excited for this show, talking about quarterbacks, running backs, tight ends, wide receivers, and then we'll jump into our baby monitor segment. Is that a baby monitor? That we haven't gotten into um, in a while. So uh, jumping into quarterbacks, I just wanted to kind of throw this out there. I feel like we're at a spot now in uh, super flex leagues especially that if you don't have one of those top five guys, if you don't have Mahomes, Lamar, Kyler, Russell Wilson, or Josh Allen, uh, you're probably not uh, atop the standings right now. I think the number one team in each of uh, these super flex leagues, they probably have one, or maybe they got lucky and they have both those guys. Do, do you have any thoughts on quarterbacks right now in super flex, Tom? Uh, well, when I saw that you had these five quarterbacks, listed on the, the show sheet I went and I, I looked at my my five uh, dynasty leagues and um, I actually uh, realized that I'm, I'm a little more spoiled than I had originally thought because I, I have at least one of these guys on each of my my five dynasty leagues so I've, I've only won in one dynasty league so I, I'm not here to uh, pump up my my team too much but uh, yeah I, I absolutely agree if, if you don't have one of these top quarterbacks then then you're probably um, not going to be Make it to the championship this year, especially um, if it was a um, a startup draft where you most likely took Christian McCaffrey or Saquon Barkley. Um, that's definitely going to be a big hit to your team right now. Um, it, in the one league that I didn't have one of these quarterbacks, I'd, I was able to pull off a trade for uh, Russell Wilson just minutes before the, um, the, the week one kicked off. So um, I, if uh, if one of your other uh, skill positions lets you down, then uh, Lamar Jackson or, or Mahomes certainly makes up for that. So um, I, I, I agree. If you do not have one of these guys right now, you probably want to package um, a, uh, an aging quarterback with a first or possibly even more to, to move up and get one of these franchise guys. Yeah. And, and I was doing some digging and not to throw too much more shade at uh, what Daniel Jones is or isn't doing in New York, but I saw he's got 32 total points um, on the season for those leagues that award four points for a passing touchdown. Uh, do, do you know how many points per game Russell Wilson is averaging? Well, I know the last two weeks he had five passing touchdowns, so I'm, I'm going to guess right around those 32 points. Yeah, yep, he's averaging exactly 32 points a game. So... That, that really shows you the difference between um, one of those elite quarterbacks and not that people were taking Daniel Jones above Russell Wilson, but he was definitely be, being taken as a QB two. Uh, but if you didn't get one of those top five guys, and then if you um, got like a Wentz and then a Daniel Jones, uh, your quarterbacks might not even be uh, combining for that one other player's uh, top quarterback. So hey, I know you and I have always kind of overvalued quarterbacks, but I think this is this is proven to be one of those years that if you don't have one of those elite guys, you might not be as competitive um, as you, as the rest of the league. Um, so with that, just final closing thoughts. I just wanted to mention in Dynasty, I think Deshaun Watson is absolutely still a QB one, but that team has done him absolutely no favors. They're going to need to draft him 
um, a target that he can uh, throw the ball to 10 plus times like he was doing with Hopkins. Uh, they, he, he just doesn't look the same. And, and I know that the schedule has been extremely brutal, but these have always been the games where they get behind and then he can run the ball as they're playing prevent or he can get some easy stuff underneath and still keep them competitive. But they've just totally hamstrung him. So if uh, if you've got Watson and if you can kind of package him to get one of those elite guys, if you if you're in win now mode, I would recommend doing that. Otherwise, unfortunately, I think you just got to hold. But I don't think he's going to be winning you a lot of weeks this year. Yeah, I, uh, I I think the the days of uh, of Watson putting up forty plus points per week are uh, are behind us for now. But like you said, if they can go out and and draft one of those um, elite wide receivers next year, or go and uh, and resign or or uh, possibly trade for Allen Robinson or um, Odell Beckham, one of those the two wide receivers that are constantly um, being talked about getting traded. Then I think uh, that ceiling comes back, but until then, he's he's probably looking at between quarterback five and quarterback ten on the season. Yeah, well, uh, jumping into running backs <laughs> right now, an interesting name. We've got Devin Singletary. He's cor- currently uh, running back number twenty six overall, um, and that includes playing a game without Zach Moss. So just seeing how efficient that this uh, Buffalo Bills team is playing, um, how how many points and how many yards that they're getting against their opponents but Singletary he's not he's not doing you any favors what are you doing with Singletary well I think I think if I own him I'm probably holding on to him right now because um, he hasn't had a, um, a a big game yet so you can't really try to sell him for much but I think he's a very safe RB2 who, who can get you between 8 and 14 points per, per week um, he, he probably still has the opportunity to bust off a couple long touchdown runs or receptions, but unfortunately being on that goal line and seeing Josh Allen, um, sneaking the ball. in, like you said, that you, that's that, that offense isn't doing him any favors, but I think right now, if you're, if you're able to acquire him with the expectation of being an RB two, then I think that's, that's perfectly fine. Seeing Zach Moss already, uh, banged up before week three, um, is, is only going to give Singletary more more touches. So I'm I'm all aboard the the Singletary train right now. Yeah, I, I agree 100. percent I think he's probably got a couple of those double digit touchdown games in him. So just the fact that he's still a low end RB two, but without any touchdowns to bump him up, I think I was looking at Todd Gurley. He's somewhere around like running back 16 or 18, but that's with a couple of touchdowns on the season too. So you start taking those six points away. Uh, and all of a sudden, he's not looking as attractive as uh, a player that's getting the the volume on a heavy rushing team. So I agree. If you've got Singletary, just hold him right now because he's got uh, better days ahead. So uh, moving on to our, our next running back, one of our favorites, uh, Darrell Henderson. Uh, he's now just finished in week three, 100-plus r- rushing yards and a touchdown. And he's actually currently ranked uh, – Pro Football focuses number one overall running back through three weeks. Yeah, I don't know if did I don't know if you saw that, Tom. Did did you know that? I I did not know that. He 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 does look like a completely different running back from last season, though. Yeah, and so we've got a, a pretty smart crowd. So uh, for those that aren't familiar with PFF, um, they have a bunch of different grading systems uh, for different skill position uh, players. But so their definition on how they do grading. Um, so off their website, the PFF grading system isolates the runner's role 
on each carry, separating the work he does from that of his blockers. Expectations change given the run concept, down and distance, quality of a run blocking, and number of defenders in, in the box. And the rock grades will be adjusted on each play. So essentially, these guys, uh, they're definitely getting paid a lot more than you and I are. And they're looking into every single play and basically how productive they were on that play, whether they're blocking or they're going out to catch a pass or if they run. Uh, and that's totally taken away what the offensive line did. So uh, similar to how everybody loved Cam Akers because he had a terrible offensive line, uh, he would have had like a high score in this uh, kind of a grading system. So it, it just kind of shows you that um, Darrell Henderson, he's, he's a real back. So I think if you've got him as your RB2, you can be very comfortable putting him out there every week, even when Akers comes back. And I, I think I've seen some mentions about Malcolm Brown going out for twice as many receptions uh, or not receptions, but just pass routes. But I think that more uh, kind of tells you about what Darrell Henderson's doing in the run game. And they, their game plan this week, I think they still want to keep Malcolm Brown involved with the broken pinky. So they just had him out running routes instead of um, pass blocking or um, running it up the middle and having somebody hit their helmet against that hand. So are you uh, a Darrell Henderson believer now, Tom? Well, last year... I, I was not he, – he did not look like a very good running back dealing with that injury, but I do have to admit Henderson looks um, like he, he, he uh, found his foot in and he's, he's looking like a, like a, a low-end RB1 currently until Cam Akers comes back. All right. Well, that's, that's all I wanted to get you to say on the show today, so I'll let you <laughs> take it from here. All right. I guess, I guess we can wrap up. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. But uh, seriously – uh, the, the one of the players that I've been uh, talking about talking up all off season is uh, my boy Brian Hill. So last year everyone wanted Darrell Henderson in rookie drafts because he was going to take over for Gurley in Los Angeles. Now Gurley has left LA, leaving the opportunity for Henderson, Henderson to become a strong RB two this season. However, what is not left is Gurley's arthritic knee now in Atlanta. This arthritis can flare up at any point during the season making Brian Hill still one of my favorite handcuff running backs. Hill looked more explosive in the loss to the Bears. Gurley had 14 carries for 80 yards, while Hill had nine carries for 58 yards. This is an offense that will, without a doubt, be losing to a Packers team next Sunday night that has struggled to defend the run. Look for Hill to continue to eat into Gurley's workload. Yeah, um, I'm still not not there with, with Hill, similar how uh, you weren't there with with Henderson. So if, uh, if Hill comes out and produces, you might be able to change my mind. But um, for now, I think besides Kelvin Ridley, uh, you, it might just be a team that you're looking to avoid. Even even Matt Ryan um, didn't put up a huge game this last week. So un- unfortunately, I think just assuming you can plug in every Atlanta Falcon, um, those, those days might be kind of limited now, uh, depending on who's on your team. I think if you've got Gurley, you still have to play him. Uh, but Julio, until he comes out and starts playing like Julio again, you might have some other players you want to play above him uh, whenever he comes back from that injury. And then Ryan Hill, we've we've seen him do this before where he has a promising game and then he comes out the next week and puts up like five for 12. Well, uh, this Atlanta Falcons team, it, it does does look a little bit lost. Um, 
to, to say the least, after after uh, losing a third game in a row, after having a, a double-digit lead in the fourth quarter. Uh, but, yeah, like you said, Julio Jones was a um, last-minute inactive, even though um, things weren't really trending in the, the right direction. Uh, Russell Gage left with a head injury, so they were kind of able to um, cover Calvin Ridley and Aiden Hurst. But uh, this the, this team still uh, hasn't given up on, on the run game, and um, they were saying right before uh, week one that they were going to limit Gurley's uh, workload, and it looks like right now Brian Hill is, is uh, consuming at least one-third of those, those carries each game. So just uh, everybody that was on uh, Darrell Henderson last year, don't forget about the, the post-hype uh, Gurley handcuff, which, uh, which is definitely Brian Hill this year. All right, who, who do you got next for us? All right, the, the next running back I want to talk about um, is Anthony McFarland. So James Conner looked good after getting hurt in week one, but according to injurypredictor.com, he still has an 89% chance of getting hurt um, again at some point this season and a 13% chance of getting re-injured during a game. Um, during the, this past game, uh, Benny Snell had seven carries for 11 yards against the Texans. Meanwhile, the third running back on the team, Anthony McFarland, had six carries for 42 yards. So I don't know if you saw any any highlights from that game, but uh, Anthony McFarland definitely looks a lot more explosive than uh, James Conner and uh, certainly Benny Snell. So a, a lot of people were curious about um, Jalen Samuels' usage this season, uh, but he only had, had one carry for one yard. So it looks like Samuels is going to be a non-factor this season. And whenever a uh, star running back goes down, a lot of people will go out and grab the number two guy. But a lot of times, if that number three guy is out there, they end up uh, winning that that role. So I think Anthony McFarland is a running back that if you have room on your bench, you definitely want to stash him or try to acquire him in Dynasty. Yeah, yeah, I like the call. I've got McFarland on just a couple of teams. But he, yeah, he's a guy in the third round. Um, of rookie drafts that hopefully you got a piece of. He was a really um, highly sought after high school running back prospect. And uh, he just kind of did what he was supposed to do in college. He just kind of did his job, but he didn't uh, produce enough to be one of those first early picks. Uh, But the Steelers, they've always had a history of going in and uh, really finding those guys that even if they didn't produce huge numbers in college, um, they can go back further and um, see what what uh, they were able to do in high school or at least see what they would look like on their team. And, yeah, I think at this point, them taking a guy like Anthony McFarland, it shows they don't have a lot of trust in Jalen Samuels, who they've never really figured out what to do with. And it's just a matter of time before James Conner gets hurt. So, yeah, I'd like the call. Yeah, um, if, uh, if, if you have room for, for Anthony McFarland, the, uh, the Steelers are, are a team similar to uh, Seattle. It seems like they just kind of constantly churn running backs um, off their, their roster, and um, they, they just kind of run them into the ground. So um, I, I, could, I could easily see Benny Snell not performing when given the, when given the opportunity in the future, and then Anthony McFarland could, uh, could get 15-plus uh, touches in a, a game in the future. So go, go out and get uh, Anthony McFarland. Uh, the last – running back note I wanted to talk about. This is not a guy you should try to get, but uh, Jordan Howard on Thursday Night Football had three carries for one yard and a touchdown against a weak Jags defense. So at one point, his stat line was uh, two carries for minus one yard and a touchdown. 
Um, so if you can't really rely on uh, Jordan Howard to, to do anything against the Jaguars besides uh, stumble into the, the end zone off three carries, I don't think you can really count on him to do anything. So I'm saying if you have Howard, go out, try to get a fourth for him, try to get $2 a fab, anything you can get for him. Like he's Jordan Howard is for sure done after the season. Yeah, I I play in some dynasty leagues where we don't have those fourth round picks, and I'd I'd probably take a fourth round pick in that league over Jordan Howard. So I uh, totally agree with that. Well, let's uh, jump into wide receivers quick. Um, I just wanted to kind of go back to the Diggs uh, conversation real quick. Uh, we talked about him having a, a really safe floor, um, and and last week I I think that that kind of uh, proved it, or just a couple of days ago. Um, he was four of six for 49 yards and a touchdown, but he actually had two touchdowns called back. One was on a pass interference and, uh, one, he just barely didn't get his, um, toe in the line. So a guy like Diggs uh, continue to treat him like a one and then Cooper cup, hopefully you made some moves and picked him up. He's back to his old, uh, tricks of being a wide receiver one, um, going nine of 10 for a hundred plus yards and a touchdown. Um, I was able to package a first round pick with. Um, Devontae Parker in a league and uh, move up to get Cup. Um, so hopefully those are guys that you have on your roster. And if you don't, uh, they're they're just going to continue to get that volume that we're looking for. Um, and then lastly, uh, Preston Williams. He's he's one of my favorite uh, later guys that I've still got stashed on a bunch of benches. Um, but he he uh, this week he gets the Seattle defense. So if you've got him, I think this is one of those weeks where you can plug him in and just see what he does against one of, one of the worst secondaries. Uh, and he started off last week catching that touchdown that he should have caught the week before to force overtime. So um, Preston Williams, another guy, he's pretty much on everybody's radar, uh, but he's a guy I think if you can trade a second uh, for or if you can kind of do a package deal and have him be thrown in. Uh, I, I've actually seen two deals this week where he's been part of the transaction so i think people are starting to uh warm up to the idea of playing preston williams each week yeah uh you, you got to go out and, and get uh preston williams before that door closes uh fitzpatrick was 16 of 18 on thursday night and uh they they weren't really forced to throw the ball that much because the uh jaguars couldn't get anything done on offense so preston williams is, is certainly a very strong wide receiver too for the, the dolphins right now and he, he has a uh, blow-up game coming up uh, pretty soon, sometime in the future, I'm, I'm sure. Um, a wide receiver that I've been calling for having a breakout game for the past three weeks now. So um, all it took was was three weeks of um, calling his name. But Michael Gallup finally showed up uh, with some impressive numbers, catching six of nine targets for 138 yards and a touchdown. Um, so hopefully after the, the month of listening to the show, you went out and at least made an attempt to get Gallup from your, your league mates because that, that door has officially closed now. When we uh, started the show and we were talking about things that we've learned from the uh, the guillotine leagues, the, the, uh, I just wanted a, a side note here. I was able to pick up Gallup for $5 in our guillotine league because nobody else um, bid on him. And that, that was quickly called out by other people in the league that that, that was a steal, which I'm, I'm still very thankful that everybody let me pick them up for $5. But um, if I could give somebody um, a piece of advice that I just discovered, and you and I are pretty new to the, these guillotine leagues, so this might be obvious, but 
when those uh, star players get dropped, just go ahead and, and bid on everybody. Bid $0, bid $1. Right now I'm looking, I'm seeing Zach Ertz, Terry McLaurin, Ryan Tannehill, Mark Ingram, uh, Emmanuel Sanders, and, and Daniel Jones are all um, players that, that are, are worth at least $1 a fab. So just go out, bid on everybody, because um, if you um, check the app the next morning and see that a star wide receiver like Michael Gallup got um, stolen from everybody else, then you're going to be kicking yourself. So just go out there and, and uh, bid on all those stars because you never know which uh, other players are going to be getting overlooked. Yeah, and I think you mentioned you saw uh, Zach Ertz go for 10 bucks in uh, one of those guillotine leagues too. So, yeah, if, if you're not placing those bids, somebody's bound to get a steal. So speaking of tight ends, um, I think Ertz, um, he's started off the season slow, but I think he has a clear-cut – uh, path to be the number one receiving option on Philly, no matter how much they try to uh, give Wentz other weapons. And I think he could actually still finish the season as the overall um, tight end one. So definitely somebody you should continue to value like that. It, we we saw him get traded um, in a package deal. I think it, it was somewhere like something like a first and a second in KJ Hamler for Ertz. Uh, I think that was a steal. I think Ertz still has enough gas in the tank for a couple of seasons to put up those numbers that he used to, he, he just hasn't been catching the touchdowns, but um, Philly's going to find their way into the red zone. Um, and then last week we talked about some of those tight ends. I was calling them trap tight ends, uh, but Dalton Schultz, um, after people went and picked him up, he went four of six for 48. Um, so didn't destroy your, your roster, but definitely didn't help you out. And then drew sample, um, a lot of excitement there. He goes a uh, one for one for one yard. Uh, so both, both those guys, uh, like I said, just the tight end opportunity model didn't find anything that really helped them stand out. And, and sure enough, this next week, they didn't produce much. So you have any thoughts on any of those tight ends or any well, other ones? Well, I'm, I'm still on, on Dalton Schultz. I still believe that he finishes the season as, as a top 12 tight end. Um, but uh, I, I was uh, very glad that I did not win any bids that I put off for, for uh, Drew Sample. There's actually a tight end premium league that I'm in with one of our um, listeners, Pound Town, and uh, tight ends are um, highly sought after in this league, and somebody spent $51 of fab. Um, so I think they are probably regretting that decision, and not only do you waste over half your fab, um, but then um, once you play them and you get um, maybe maybe two points for one catch for, for one yard, um, so yeah, I think I think you're you're safe to go ahead and uh, drop uh, your sample from from all your leagues. Yeah. Um, well, anything else you want to go over before we jump into the baby monitor? Yeah. The the last uh, note I need to uh, mention was after last week, I finally talk up Darren Waller, give him the respect that I thought he deserved. Um, that he, he's he's a top top five tight end in in, uh, in dynasty and all fantasy leagues. He goes for two catches for nine yards. Um, so what what happened there, Mr. Waller? <laughs> well, yeah, I think you made a note of, of what happened there. The, the Patriots happened, uh, but he's he's still going to be Derek Carr's primary option. So he should be just fine. Yeah. If, um, you're, if, well, you're, if you're able to go out and, and uh, acquire Darren, Darren Waller, I, I don't think you'll be able to. But this is probably the worst game that he actually no, I'll, I'll guarantee this is the worst game Darren Waller will have this season. Um, the, the Patriots always like to take away the number one option for each team. And and 
unfortunately, Derek Carr has been exposed. If you can cover Darren Waller, uh, the, the Raiders are going to have a very tough time putting up points this season. Yeah. Well, and I actually saw um, some film review this morning. Somebody posted it was a it was a third down uh, passing play where the, the Patriots did a total uh, defensive scheme that uh, most teams wouldn't do. So on a third and long, uh, they double covered uh, both of his check down options. So I believe they double covered Waller and they double covered it was either Jalen Richard or Josh Jacobs. So so the Patriots knew even third and long uh, cars not looking to throw deep. So it's just, just kind of funny that when you, you would think that they'd want to double team a deep threat or something, but they, they kind of know who, who car is. Um, but so with that, uh, we haven't gotten into the baby monitor. Is that a baby monitor? In a while. Uh, but I, I'm excited to jump back into this with you. Uh, one of our favorite guys that we talked about um, for I don't know, weeks at a time in this offseason, but Andy Isabella, uh, second round wide receiver taken by the Cardinals last season and didn't do a whole lot. Uh, but I was I was telling you this Adam Levitan stat uh, that I saw the other day. So Andy Isabella has been targeted 20 times in his NFL career. He's turned that into 15 catches, 303 yards and three touchdowns. So I was asking you the other day, I don't know if you have a question for it yet, but Tom, would you prefer Andy Isabella or Christian Kirk in Dynasty? Uh, right now I'm still going to say Christian Kirk, but that's because I've, I've invested too much time and energy in, in tacking them up. I think, I think if, if we spent a couple more minutes on this, you could, you could probably talk me into, into Isabella, but it's very uh, uh, disheartening to see Christian Kirk um, get injured once again after um, the off season when the, the Cardinals are talking about him having a thousand yard season. It uh, it, do, it doesn't look good for for Kirk this season. So congratulations to the Andy Isabella owners out there. <laughs> well, thanks. I, I think I own him in pretty much every dynasty league that I play with you. So I'm 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 really excited for that. I think he's got a really good skill set where he can separate quickly. And Kyler can throw one of the fastest balls, so I think they'll they'll continue to uh, um, make those connections. So one other guy I wanted to highlight on the baby monitor, my boy Harrison Bryant caught his first NFL touchdown. Uh, as of now, he's looking to be the best rookie tight end out of this class. He was even targeted last week um, for a touchdown. Uh, from Baker in that Thursday night game, but uh, he was significantly underthrown. Um, but yeah, I think I think Harrison Bryant. He's he's not just a deep stash. Now he's just a stash. So we might not get to talk about him too much more on the baby monitor. Yeah, yeah. I think I think with that touchdown catch, Harrison Bryant moved up from uh, tight end fifty to tight end forty eight in the dynasty community. So he's <laughs> he, he's crawling up the ranks. Yep. Um, well, I just wanted to yeah. um, say congratulations to Justin Jefferson, another uh, listener of the show. But he came up with uh, seven of nine targets for 175 yards and a touchdown. He was so close to catching a second touchdown in uh, the first half of the game. But it was it was great to see him officially break out. Um, I, uh, I, I am dealing with a lot of injuries in one of my dynasty leagues, and I actually got to stack him with Kirk Cousins one of the uh, gross, grossest uh, stacks that I've felt so uncomfortable um, 
putting in, in my lineup before, but uh, when Justin Jefferson was was getting peppered with targets, I was uh, I was dancing around the kitchen when he came up with that touchdown. So, um, Sam, what do you think uh, Justin Jefferson's ceiling is right now, and what what would you offer to the Justin Jefferson owner? Yeah, his his ceiling um, is probably like wide receiver fifteen. I think he just jumps right into that Diggs role, where I think we'll see him uh, kind of have some boom bust games. Uh, what I love about Diggs right now in Buffalo is that he's going to get those targets. And I just don't know if Justin Jefferson is going to get uh, those not nine targets again. I think Kirk Cousins likes to, to uh, spread the ball. So Jefferson might only get three or four targets some games, kind of like what Diggs was getting. Um, and then as far as trades, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, if if you're talking strictly picks, I think he's definitely in the uh, the double first round at least. Um, but at, at this point, I don't think anybody's going to be trading away Jefferson for picks. So did, did you have anything in mind? Any, any veteran package deals as far well, as what, what he might the, be worth? Uh, the only league that I was able to get him where he, he fell to the, uh, the two Oh three to me. Um, so I, I spent a second round pick, but yeah, as of right now, it would, it would take more, more than a first seeing him step into that, that digs role. I know we were talking up there and I think cousins plays, um, a lot like uh, like Jared Goff, where he, he finds the receiver that gets hot, whether it's Robert Woods or uh, Cooper Cup, and then he, he, he'll he uh, target them the rest of the game. Uh, Thielen kind of disappeared this game because Justin Jefferson was getting it done. But all the Justin Jefferson haters out there, the one thing they like to talk about was that last season with LSU when he had 109 receptions. Um, or He had 111 receptions total, but only um, two of those we're not from from the slot, but he showed he he can get it done. He has the speed to play outside, and he had he had a couple of great catches with the defender all over him. So I think Justin Jefferson um, is a wide receiver too the rest of the, the season, and within it, um, possibly by the end of the year, he he can become that wide receiver one for for the Vikings. While um, the Allen's uh, years might be might be numbered now, so I'm very excited for for uh, everything that uh, Justin Jefferson is going to become for the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, I think I totally agree. I I did not see him emerging like this at all. I was telling everybody to stay away from Jefferson, especially the season long, uh, simply because of how the Vikings usually like to slowly bring their uh, rookie wide receivers on. But at at this point, Ola B.C. Johnson, uh, that's that's not going to happen. And I, I made a move yesterday. I traded away Adam Thielen and a first um, for Austin Eckler. So I think Thielen's still going to be that uh, consistent veteran, but I think he might be more of like the uh, the possession guy. And he's, he's always primarily operated out of the slot anyways, but I think we're going to see even more of that. And he's going to get a lot of the shorter stuff. And we might see um, Justin Jefferson get more of the, uh, um, the more valuable targets. Yeah. After watching that, that horrible Colts game, I think you're right. I think they wanted to bring Justin Jefferson along slowly, but I think they just wanted to push all their chips in and, and see what they had in the first round talent. And, and he did not disappoint. Um, so yeah. Any, any other closing thoughts on Justin Jefferson? No, let's, uh, let's uh, wrap this up here. You all right. Uh, last, last two guys I want to talk about. So if you're, if you're scrambling for a, uh, a tight end out there, Adam Troutman is a name that I think uh, we should get used to hearing. So Troutman was drafted in the third round of the season. 
uh, by the New Orleans Saints to eventually take over the starting role for Jared Cook. He started the season as the tight end number three on the team, but after injuries to Josh Hill and now Jared Cook, I expect Troutman to become an immediate contributor in the offense. He has only had three targets through the first three weeks, but he has caught all three passes, gaining Drew Brees' trust. So these, uh, I, I've watched the last uh, two games start to finish for the Saints, and um, say what you want about his deep ball, but his short to intermediate ball is not really getting it done either. So I think he's going to be relying on those short targets, and that's kind of where um, Adam Troutman might might live this season. So getting getting three to five catches per week, kind of sliding right into that that Jared Cook role, and uh, possibly getting some targets in the in the red zone. Um, I think uh, I think Troutman's a, a tight end that that might actually finish the year as a high end uh, tight end too. Yeah, I'm still I'm still not on board with, with Adam Troutman. I see. Um, on, on paper, everything you're saying, it all makes sense. Um, he's just not a guy that I was, I was super high on. Um, coming out of Dayton, he didn't really have a lot of um, high competition. But, hey, I'm, I'm the tight end guy, so I want to see him all succeed. So I, I hope you're right. But um, not not anybody that I'm looking to target quite yet. I know. I, I know you're putting all, all of your love, all of your, your eggs in, in one tight end basket this year. Harrison <laughs> Bryant. So I, I, I get it. Uh, we we uh, we probably agreed too much on on Justin Jefferson, so it's it's good that we can we can disagree about about one player. But um, if Jared Cook does end up missing significant time, I think I think Troutman could could be in store for uh, quite a few targets each game. So the uh, the last guy I wanted to talk about is the running back for the 49ers that we talked about um, in a show during the summer. But one of my favorite undrafted players, Jamichael Hasty. So Sam, what? does Raheem Mostert, Kevin Tolman, and Jarek McKinnon all have in common? Um, all three of them are not on any of my dynasty rosters. Oh, that's a, that's a very savvy move because the thing they all have in common is is injuries. These players have combined for more games missed due to injuries to even count. Right now, Jeff Wilson and Jamichael Hasty are the only two fully healthy backs for the 49ers. Hasty only had two carries for nine yards this past Sunday, um, but this is not the last time that we're going to see him get promoted from the practice squad. He's he's a very explosive runner, and you just have to be a good, fast running back in that Kyle Shanahan system. So, uh, another guy, if you have room on your your taxi squad or at at the uh, end of your your bench, uh, pick up Jamichael Hasty before somebody else does. Yeah, yeah, I've got Jeff Wilson in a couple of leagues, so. I'm not totally staying away from uh, 49ers uh, running backs, but yeah, the, I think uh, the next couple of weeks you'll definitely be able to plug Jeff Wilson in uh, as he's proven to be effective uh, when he's out there. So, yeah. and, um, and we were out, we were already saying that this offseason, this year's uh, uh, Raheem Mostert is is Jeff Wilson, and uh, after, after week three, it's already looking that way. Yeah, well, we'll get it out of here. Um, just to go over this week's giveaway, uh, send Tom or I a message of who you think is going to lead uh, in receiving yards this Thursday. Uh, it's, it's a good one. It's uh, Jets versus Broncos. So, uh, let re- unfortunately, Robbie Anderson isn't with the Jets anymore. Otherwise, he'd be a good dart throw. Uh, but you might be looking at K.J. Hamler, uh, Jerry Judy, or if you want to take a dart throw at someone on the Jets, I think – Whoever has the longest, um, like, 
overall reception is probably going to lead um, all all, all uh, receivers. It might even be like a 70-yard a um, reception from Noah Fant or something like that. It might be Fant. But I, I don't think there's going to be anybody that uh, proves to be super productive in that game. Do, do you have any guesses, Tom? I, I think you're, you're overselling this Thursday night football game. I think it's going to be Braxton Berrios with four receptions for 32 yards. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll get that entry submitted for you. And any other closing thoughts? Nope. You want to get us out of here? Yeah, I think it was a it was a great show. Thanks to thanks again to all of our uh, our listeners. We're, we're watching those uh, um, those counters go up each week, so we appreciate you guys uh, coming back. And hopefully, uh, some of our takes help you dominate some leagues. So until next week, keep it flexy.